This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Remember, you can check us out via AMI Audio, ladies and gentlemen, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. That's when they've got us on the air. 10 p.m. first repeat and 6 a.m. in the morning. AMI TV, folks, check us out at 2 p.m. Eastern when we do the live show itself. We're also repeated at 10 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 a.m. in the morning. You can always follow the podcast as well by simply subscribing. Hey, big thank you to those who give some comments and some reviews. We really appreciate that when you have time to do that with the podcast. Kelly McDonald, Ramya Muth, and she's at the studio in Toronto on main campus. I at the home studio in London, Ontario. And let's bring him in, Grant Hardy, from his, quote, home studio, unquote, in B.C. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramya. So I teased Grant at the uh, break. Something that, you know, I, I hear it and I think, okay, that's an interesting headline. What does it mean? But if I'm thinking I follow, I, I'm not sure I like it. And maybe there's no reason to like or not like it or whatever. But uh, Carbon, hello, sir, and welcome back. Happy week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Guess we'll just dive right in then. So essentially, first of all, the what, for people who sort of miss the tease. Uh, but there's something called the solid carbon project it's overseen by ocean networks canada and yes they want to use the ocean in carbon sequestration efforts there's a tongue twister uh, as a way to fight climate change so apparently uh it would actually involve uh placing wind floating wind turbines in the middle of the ocean and they would basically suck up the uh, carbon uh, carbon dioxide from the air and inject it into the basalt rock formations, uh, which would apparently react and eventually, over about 10 to 25 years, turn into rock. Uh, so the technology would be the first time in Canada. They say there have been similar technologies in terms of quote-unquote dumping carbon into the ocean but nothing like this where the carbon would eventually react and completely dissipate so just some idea they said the uh, basalt there i hope i'm saying that correctly has the capacity to store 750 gigatons of co2 whatever the heck that is which is roughly Yeah, it's roughly equivalent to 15 to 20 years of global emissions. Uh, And they say they are looking at safety things like making sure they have, you know, clean energy. Of course, the wind turbines, uh, making sure they're not injecting it into, you know, delicate ecosystems, trying to make sure it's earthquake proof, very important in BC. I'm curious, folks, especially Kelly, uh, what is... What is your deal? No, I'm just kidding. Why are why are you uh, why are you skeptical about the carbon? Well, it's it's not at all what I thought it was going to be, Grant. So I'm glad of that because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, are they injecting 
you know, this into the water. What's what's going mm. on on that level? So that kind of made me concerned. I don't understand the process. I don't even know how one finds and figures this process out whatsoever. I love it, um, if if especially when you look at wind turbine out in the ocean. Um, we know that when you talk about wind turbines near human beings and stuff like that, and, and you know, you still got to worry about the birds and that kind of life uh, out there with these things. Um, but the capturing and conversion sounds ideally great. I mean, I, obviously, we know we're supposed to be still doing our thing in our own reduction of, you know, of, of what we put into the air. Hopefully, this extraction works. I'm interested on the earthquake proof. How do you mm. how do you do that? But I'm I'm sure in in theory it's very doable and probably have explained it. Oh yeah, of course. Um, it's interesting then. What what is there anything any negative when it comes to the rocks once they're converted? Yeah, I mean that's the only thing that I'm wondering, and I'm kind of uh, the most non-science person in the world, so it's one of those things where it's you know hard to really analyze this myself, but I do know that look on the one hand like climate action efforts are going to get scarier like i've heard of oh, people yeah. talking about actually blocking out the sun on the other hand like it is true where i know humans in the past have said like oh you know what this like whatever population of animals you know is growing too too much we're just going to introduce like a predator animal into the ecosystem to you know take care of the first animal and mm. then it'll be fine but it actually ends up having like devastating consequences for the ecosystem yep. so yeah like yeah. having a bunch of extra rock in there having the like the noise of the wind turbine like whatever is it going to introduce consequences that we don't even know about mm -hmm. or can't think about well they said that this has been going on right this is not new or um I guess uh, uh, I, new stuff. The other places around the world, right? It, well, it's been happening since the nineties. This particular, I guess, purpose of it is different, or the yep. uh, amount, like how big it has to be, because we're talking about years and years of carbon emissions, storing it and figuring out space, and then um, also how long the process is and economic feasibility, et cetera. But in terms of the actual technology or the process, it they're saying it's not new. I am curious about the scale of it. Like if we say, yeah, this is a fantastic idea. Let's just keep going with this. You know, who writes off on that? How big is it? How many people have to get involved or entities have to get involved? Um, because again, it's a global scale. It's not just this tiny little spot or this tiny population. We're talking everybody everywhere trying to stash their carbon away. Right. And my, my understanding is that the part that is relatively new mm -hmm. don't want to say brand new is the part where the carbon will actually eventually sort of dissipate instead of yeah, that part just, i'm right. very skeptical about yeah the cal the the, the calcifying uh, of the rock i guess and putting it in there is just so new in that sense it's the only but reason is I, because you have to be skeptical because if that's new then we don't know if it's true enough no the that, result that's of it absolutely that's right. true yeah. Yep. And you got to go into it, excuse me for saying, you've got to take it with a grain of salt. <clears throat> anyway, the other <laughs> area that I wonder, Grant, you touched on it there, and I didn't think about some of that. We talk about how much sea noise there is now. 
underwater? How much, uh, how many birds get taken out as this gets, you know, going and the accidents that happen? And I understand you're go with whatever you oh, have really is going to have collateral, collateral damage. Whether we do nothing and how many birds are dying anyway due to the pollution, the stuff we're putting into the environment, you know, you're going to look at that just like human beings. Well, how many people may get killed managing this or putting it in or whatever. You, you think about all the potential things and justify the, 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 the process and the means. No, so, yeah, ex but exactly. But I'd love to see some I, of that. Mm -hmm. No, I think bo both of you, you know, kind of said it when it's like, you know, for some things we can say, oh, we've tested this over, you know, a hundred years, mm. we've refined it, you know, whatever. This is literally like, there's no possible, this is sort of, stuff that we're just thinking about experimenting on basically to mm. save the planet which is and we'll obviously see how those rocks are in 20 how. years and how many we create and what is the uh, the offshoot yeah the one <sighs> thing that is concerning about any of these things that come out honestly like because we're hearing a lot more right just projects and uh initiatives that are starting up or experiments or studies or just different ways to deal with the climate awareness and, and climate action but the scary part about all this is we're so desperate now or we're feeling the desperation that anything that when I, when I read like, oh, it's great, it's fantastic and, you know, little to no consequences. I'm like, yeah, right. We're going to yep. learn about the consequences in due time. But we can't <laughs> just outright say, you know, so far there's nothing wrong with this attitude or yes. this thing that we're trying out. Yeah. And that's the world, right? We've For everything that we look back now, as you guys were talking about a while ago, what animals have been affected by this, introduce this species to right. solve this. We we all know that, hey, that's a great idea. We're so desperate because for the desperate. solution. We believe or hope so desperately yeah. that this will work, that they've thought it through. And the reality is they've done what they can, apparently. But then you always mm -hmm. stop and say, yeah, but so many other things have been done in our world. And until someone sits down and says, you know what happens when they strip mine? What? What do you mean? Well, we get a nice <laughs> product out of it. Oh, let's talk oh, about the land. Oh, yeah. You know? So I, I think we... You get hoping so much and really, okay, there's a solution. That'll fix it so I can continue doing what I do and live my life the way and not have great change and say, and the world gets healthier. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty Maybe. much Maybe. sums it up right there. Mm. Our, our hopes, I guess. Uh, well, we'll keep we'll keep hoping. You bet. Uh, third annual Canada Animal Welfare Scorecard from the group Mercy for Animals was just released, and they look at major food companies' pledges to address animal welfare issues surprisingly the top restaurant was ikea they scored the highest among restaurants with 100 age-free eggs 100 crate-free pork and a scorecard of 85 percent on the welfare of chickens raised for meat chipotle and a&W Canada also scored highly, with the latter being recognized for achieving 100% crate-free pork. That makes me feel, I dig my A&W, so I'm glad they mm. do that. I don't know if I should drop the names of the underperformers or just stick with the positives here. I wonder oh, where the no. Costco hot dog Let's is. Let's put it all on the table. <laughs> Tim Hortons was criticized for pushing back its deadline to have only a cage free eggs all the way back to 2030. Oh, get out of here. Uh, 
and I'm just making sure that's correct. Yes, to 2030. Uh, and a couple restaurants like Milestones actually don't publish any animal welfare reports whatsoever. Uh, and then just quickly, uh, in terms of grocery stores, Whole Foods sky, uh, scored the uh, highest uh, among uh, retailers as well, followed by Metro and Long's. Sobeys and Loblaws were in the middle of the pack, and the worst ones were Walmart, Calgary Co-op, and Federated Cooperatives. Uh, so definitely, you know, if we're going for our meat, dairy, I'd like to think we care about our animal welfare. So good yeah. data to have. Wow. Uh, That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Like when you when you really look at who takes it on and says this is important for us for look or whatever it might be or because these are the right things to do, Grant up there happy with his burgers. Mm. It's incredible to think there are actually some of these giant chains that haven't even published information. They're just like, we're not taking part in the convo, sorry. To right. think like and that's it, okay. Yeah, wild. seriously. I mean, I would imagine you're probably not super proud of being the number one and you're like, I'm not going to publish my reports. It's yeah. possibly the opposite <laughs> way. But I think the, the, the point of their survey, though, is these really huge companies like have the greatest power to influence things for That's good. That's right. So and to make change. Like so many of these companies that we're talking to Walmarts and that could make change just like that, really. And they hear, well, we're pushing back yeah. to 2030 over at Timmy Hortons. And just you wonder, <laughs> do you care? Or is it like, do you honestly, what would be the reason these guys over here can manage and you over there oh, can't be bothered or can't mm -hmm. is there that much of a difference in this big wide world of ours i do why should there be it is helpful to have something like this though where you get an across the board comparison you know food mm -hmm. of all kinds restaurants and grocery stores and wherever else you're buying because it's it just makes you more cognizant Right? Like, where are you going to go for your groceries now that you've read this? Or do you have the capacity to make that shift in your own personal lifestyle? And people deserve Absolutely. to be able to make the choice and support where they want to for the reasons they want to. Mm. And whether it's what goes into a product or how they get it and, you know, what, what impact they have. Grant, as usual, beautiful. Thank you, sir. Lovely. Thank you, guys. Have a great rest of your show. Grant will be back on Wednesday with more headlines. He'll be back on the show co-hosting a bit tomorrow as we continue his work with us and uh, having some fun as he uh, breaks in and uh, soon will be piloting the ship at times as well. Coming up next on the program, AMI podcast coordinator Ryan Delahanty joins us to talk about the newest podcast releases, including the latest Low Vision Moments episode. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.